This is our final podcast for 2020, and um, we have um, an amazing guest with us. I will introduce him after um, I tell you a little bit about him. I'll only tell you a little bit about him, but I'll leave him to introduce himself fully. Uh, This podcast has been kindly funded by the National Lottery Community Fund, and we are very grateful to have received this. My name is Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder of HY Dyslexia, also known as Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia. Uh, we are based in Wandsworth in London and we serve the dyslexic community. When COVID hit, we decided to move online and um, we now do podcasts, live shows, and obviously we run a lot of our workshops online. Um, today's podcast is titled Dyslexia and Bane, Becoming Your Best Self During COVID-19. We have the wonderful Morris McLeod. He's also a councillor of Wandsworth, so councillor Morris McLeod, um, who is joining us today in our podcast. He's a journalist, he's a writer, um, and that's all I'm going to say for now. And I'll leave him to tell you a bit more about what he does. Um, He's also dyslexic. And um, I think Morris has achieved so much having dyslexia and um, all the things that one can go through. But um, he's actually a real inspiration to many people, but particularly in the black community. Um, I think he's done phenomenal work and um, I always say representation matters and having Maurice today, it's a a real pleasure. Maurice, welcome to A2I Dyslexia podcast. Thank you very much. Um, Hi, so so, as you say, my name is um, Maurice McLeod, Maurice actually, but I'll I'll live with Maurice. Um, So Maurice McLeod, um, at the moment, my my job title is I'm I'm Chief Exec of Race on the Agenda, which is a a racism think tank. I'm also, as you say, an elected local councillor down there in Wandsworth. I represent the wonderful ward of Queenstown, which is, for those of you that know um, the Wandsworth or Battersea, it's the it's the very sort of northeastern sort of corner that goes from Vauxhall to Battersea Park. That sort of area has the has the U.S. Embassy and Battersea Park within it. Um, and uh, before that, I was a. Uh, um, I, I worked with the the wonderful MP for um, Battersea, Marshall de Cordova, and before that, I was a, a, a journalist for for more years than I I dare recount. So, um, having worked on the Voice and the Guardian and the Independent and the Daily Express and the Evening Standard, um, that's I think that's that that that'll do. I I also used to run a, a platform called Media Diversified, which was a place for uh, Black and Asian writers to um, uh, to get a platform, basically, when they weren't getting much of a chance on on the mainstream media. Wow! And you are a writer, but you are also dyslexic. Now, that's the question that I think a lot of people think: How do you do it, Maurice? It's it's a good it's a good question. I don't have an answer because it, it's you know you only, you only, we only live our own lives, don't we? So. Um, I am 51, so when I was growing up with d- dyslexia, um, it wasn't. Um, yes, it was known about, but it wasn't really. Um, it wasn't really something that I got any kind of support with. It's just, oh, you know, he's got dyslexia, or oh, he's a bit slow at reading. That's that's all that really happened. There was, you know, um, there wasn't really any backup or support, or 
you know, we didn't get extra time in exams and none of that stuff happened back then. And so um, I just kind of plowed on and I was just thought, you know, I, I knew I wasn't a bad reader. I can, I could, I can read sort of sentences and my reading age was always very high when I was younger and all that sort of thing. But, but reading a block of stuff or reading an amount of stuff was always a real problem and I'd be really slow and I'd lose where I was and I'd, and I just thought, okay, well, that's just me. And so I, um, I guess like a lot of people, I just found workarounds and different ways of, of, of getting to my end result. Um, I certainly don't think I could have even thought of being a, a journalist or a writer in the ages before spell check, you know, having before writing on, a, you know, writing, writing digitally and having everything spell checked. I, I don't know how I would have coped. My, my writing would have been appalling back then, but um, yeah, it's, and I think it has impacted me. I can't say that it hasn't affected my career or it hasn't impeded me any, in any way. I, I think it has, but I don't have another choice. I can't, I can't sort, sort of suddenly be not dyslexic. So that's what I am. And, and so I, I, I find ways around uh, dealing with stuff. So how old was you when you were diagnosed with dyslexia? I've never diagnosed. I've never been. I've oh. never actually been diagnosed. The only reason, oh, the only reason I know that I have dyslexia is because my daughter, who's now thirty, was diagnosed when she was when she was at school. She was having all the same sort of as me, and I could see them. And then she was diagnosed with dyslexia, and I thought, oh, oh gosh, well, obviously that 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 rings. That's true. Then that really. I'd always kind of had a bit of a suspicion or maybe, a, you know, I knew I wasn't slow. I knew I wasn't, you know, mentally slow, but it took me so much longer to read stuff than other, other people. And, uh, and all of the um, errors that I make in writing, they're dyslexia errors, you know, getting letters mixed around and numbers and all that sort of stuff. So I, I knew that, I knew that I was. And, and to be honest, um, like I say, there wasn't really, I didn't feel like there was very much support for being dyslexic so there's no real advantage to me to me having that label in fact it probably would have been a bit of a stigma to me back then um certainly with trying to be a writer and you're you know no one knows who you are and oh this dyslexic mm, you know it would have given people a bit of a um a question in their head which i didn't want to give them the opportunity to have um so 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 yeah i've, I've not had that diagnosis it's just i just know because i've, I've seen my daughter go through it yeah yeah, and it's really funny how you said that because um, I know when people come to us, sometimes they've come for a dyslexic assessment for their child. And then once they've read that report, for actually, could that be me? And that's when they connect all the dots. And we, you know, from research, dyslexia is genetic. So I think it's amazing that, you know, you went for the help for your daughter and then you think, well, that's me. But you've never, you've never actually asked for help in a workplace or have you ever disclosed your dyslexia? Where, where you work? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's you know what, it's a valid question because I haven't, and and part of the reason I haven't is is the stigma that I've just mentioned. But you, you know, if I were if I were being um, I think the correct thing to do is probably to have ha have been very open about it because then it would make things easier for other people. But I I know that certainly in journalism, certainly when I was working on on Fleet Street or such and such newspaper, there's so much competition to get those jobs. Um, and then once you get them, so much competition to, you know, to, to be given the better stories and to be to be trusted with stuff. 
that if I put that, if I say, oh, and by the way, I'm dyslexic, I just know, sadly, that there would be this little alarm bell in my editor's head that made them think, oh, can I trust Morris with this? Is he really the sort of person? Um, and so I, I think I, I, I didn't deliberately conceal it or whatever. I just thought that's it's not your business. You know, I'll, I'll tell you if I need some help, I'll, I'll let you know. But it's it's something I will deal with, you know, you know myself. So so no, I um, the only the only the only place actually where I have uh, announced it and and made sure that I, that I got given the support that I would want uh, is as a counsellor. Um, I know we haven't got on to that yet, and, and, and I don't want to take your your flow in the wrong direction. But but, yeah. but as a counsellor, you I mean the the amount of stuff they send you to read is just phenomenal. I I couldn't believe it when I got my first pack of of papers, and I was, I, I looked at it and I thought was was this some manuscript or something? It was it was it was, and they're like yeah yeah if you can read that by tomorrow evening, and then we'll have a talk. I was thinking, I couldn't read that in a week. That is going to take me so long. Um, and so, um, and, and as well, they weren't sending out physical, they would, you know, I, I said, right, okay, so I'm dyslexic, so I need stuff as early as possible. I need a physical pack. I need a, and I said what I need, because I do think that's important. I think that with, uh, with uh, being a counsellor, it's about representation. And if the doors are closed to, to anyone with, you know, uh, um, with dyslexia or any any other different alignment of of their thinking of their brain, then then um then then that's a bad thing. So I think it's it's I do have a duty there to sort of go look. This is what I need to do the job because it's not just about me. It's making sure that whoever else comes behind or or, or you know is, is dealing with the same issues has the same support. Absolutely, and there could be a young black boy listen, a young black man or boy listening to this, I say boy, young man, listening to this podcast, actually, I want to be a counsellor one day. They may have dyslexia and what it's not possible, but listening to this podcast and having you in our podcast may give that person that hope, you know, knowing that there might be help when they go. I mean, surely there might be, you know, I'm sure there's uh, dyslexic people in within there uh, as counsellors, and um, I'm sure there's help if, if, if one can disclose, but I can just imagine that, thick what of stuff that you had to read and that would be a reason why I would even venture on it because <laughs> nothing was sinking because part of my dyslexia isn't just reading it it's reading it understanding it and retaining it so I've read something and I've literally put it to one side I've come back and I'm like I can't remember a word of what I've read so yeah yeah I, yeah. I, I think it's and to be honest it's an ongoing problem with with being a counselor because because there are lots of things to read. There, there really are. There's, there's, you know, I absolutely think that everything could be simplified. I absolutely think stuff could and should be written in plain English rather than this weird sort of public sector gobbledygook that they speak. I mean, it's it's bizarre. So, so, you know, I think there's a lot of work to do there on just and, and to be honest, that's not just for people with dyslexia. That's for for everybody. You, you hand one of those big bundles of council papers to any any anyone who's not in that world and and they're gonna they're gonna be taken aback because it's it's too much and it's not how things should work um and and so so, so yeah but but as you as you rightly say a number of my council I, you know i said oh, i'm dyslexic and a number of my colleagues are like oh me too me too me too it's not at all rare among councillors actually so yeah 
that should give people, you know, that being being dyslexic is no barrier, no barrier at all to to do to be an counsellor, certainly. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to move on to my first question. I know we've just had a little chat there, but my first question, how can BAME dyslexics become their best self? You might have covered some of them already in, in your introduction and what we've spoken about already, but how do they become their best self? Being Black or being Asian and having dyslexia, um, sometimes being a, a Black male or being a Black woman and with a hidden condition, yeah. how can one become their best self? It's, it's a hard one. So it, I guess it a lot of that's going to depend on what one means by best self, but mm. but um, if 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 we're talking about in terms of you know thriving in whatever career they've chosen to thrive in, what what I say, I mean, I do quite a bit of um, lecturing for for the young trainee journalists and that sort of thing, um, often from from uh, BME backgrounds and and that sort of uh, you know that's not something that's rare for me, so. And what, what, I, what I always say is whatever the thing you think is stopping you from, from, doing, from doing this, whatever, you, whatever barrier you think is in the way. So for me, it's that I'm working class, it's that I come from a council estate, it's that I'm black, it's that I'm dyslexic. All of these things felt like barriers to me being a journalist or, 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 or doing any of the things in my, in my career. But because those things are a barrier is exactly why I should do them. So, so the very thing that you think is stopping you from from doing that is why you should do it. So if if you think, oh, I, I can't I can't be a journalist because I'm dyslexic, um, I, I actually then that's why you should be there. Journalism needs to like like all things, journalism like politics actually, it needs to reflect the society. It needs to for journalism to be successful. If everybody comes from the same thinks the same, comes from the same background, and you know all went to the same school and same university. Yes, they can. They can, you know, try and understand other lives, but but their experiences will be different. So you really need as diverse as spread. You need you need journalism to look like the country. You need politics to look like the country. And dyslexics are in the country. Black people are in the country. Asian people are in the country. So that so we need to be there. So um, none of those things should ever be. It should ever be a barrier to 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 you doing those roles. The only, basically, you decide on those roles. You know, what what do you want to do? What what do you what do you what are your passions at? And if if they are journalism or if they're being a counselor, whatever they are, then then do that thing and never never let those things be a barrier. And in fact, use them. So so I I know that um, for for you know, being being black in journalism, um, I know that if we're talking about a story on an estate or that involves the black community, I know that I have more knowledge of that, you know, than the most experienced white journalist who's, you know, been to Iraq and he's done this and he's flown all around the world. But I know that when it comes to my community, I know that I know that better than him. So it's not, I don't have any uh, insecurities over that. The, the only thing is I feel like you need to let me get in there and, 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 and do my job. So it might be that other people block you, but I, I've never let myself and one should never, never block yourself. You know, never, never take yourself out of the game because you feel you have this or you feel you have that. Those, Absolutely. those are the things that spur you on. I think that's that's such an amazing answer to give. To be honest with you, I remember when um, I was first start, starting A2I dyslexia and I had no money and um, I'd been unemployed for quite some time. And I'm I also grew up on a council estate. I still live on a council estate. 
Um, and I remember going into um, a, a local job centre and I said, this is what I want to do. Um, there was a new organisation that had come out to help people to start their businesses. And I remember the chap speaking to me and I said, I want to set up a dyslexia organisation. And he looked at me and went, how are you going to do that then? So I said, well, somehow. And I think with me, having dyslexia, one of the things is try telling me I can't and I'll prove to you I can. And for, for honestly, sometimes I sit back and I think, actually, I'm, I'm quite happy he said the words he said because you know, I went ahead and I, and I did it. I did it with no money, but I, I did it because I knew there was a, um, a niche and I knew that um, particularly within our black community and the Asian community, there was no service as such for dyslexics. And I went ahead and I did it. And I remember I gave a talk at my local job center and the same organization, we were speaking on the same panel. And I thought, here I am, you know, yeah. and that's just a feel good factor. And I had to share that story with you because, you know, sometimes as dyslexics, we, um, and even be, being black, being a woman and having dyslexia, sometimes the three barriers can stop you from, do, from doing so much. But um, like you said, to become your best self, if you know you can, you can, you will. I mean, I always, there's a thing saying that I normally say, I can and I will, or is it I will and I can, one or the other. <laughs> I think it might be the other way around. And um, yes, and, and of course, you know, you do that to the best of your ability. And one of the podcasts we've had in the past uh, or a live show, don't let dyslexia define who you are. You know, because if, if you have that at the back of your mind, I have dyslexia, so I can't, then that's what you're going to believe. But dyslexia shouldn't be a barrier because there's certainly some great strengths. You know? 100%, 100% agree with you. You know, there are so many, we, we, uh, all of our identities are so complex. There's so many things that make up each of us as an individual. And I'm not going to let any one of those, whether it's being black or being British or being this or being a man or being that, you know, None of that, oh, you know, it's all of me. So, so, so you don't get, I don't get to go, oh, I wish I wasn't this or I wish I wasn't that. I am those things and I'm proud of being those things. And so I'll, as you said about the council, I, I'm, I'm talking to you from a council flat now, which is where I live. I've lived here, I've lived on council states my whole life and I'm, I'm the only council tenant out of the 60 of us on Wandsworth Council. So Wandsworth has 17,000 council tenants and I'm the only one of them that's represented among the councillors. So it, it's just, um, and that's not, I'm not saying that to blow my trumpet. I'm saying that's a real lack. How can we be providing services for, you know, being a landlord to all these people if if none of us are are, are living that life? So so I think it's, it's really important that, that, you know, and it's not about me being there. It's about someone being there. And if no one else is there, then I'm going to be there. That's the way I say it, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maurice. Um, I'd like to say this is the end of our podcast. It's obviously at December 9th, 2020. It is the end of the year, almost. Um, and um, we bring it to an end. So we just want to say goodbye to 2020 and Merry Christmas to everybody and a Happy New Year. And thank you so much, Maurice. And look after yourself. Keep up the good work you're doing within um, the council as a councillor. Keep up the good work as a journalist and a writer and look after yourself during this um, pandemic. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia, is funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and presented by Elizabeth Tashi. It's produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.